Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Wendy's new classic chicken sandwich is now in the two-for-five. And that's reason to celebrate. Try the new classic and then take your mouth on a victory lap with the iconic Dave's Single, the delicious spicy chicken sandwich, spicy or crispy 10-piece nuggets, or just get another classic chicken sandwich. Taste greatness today with Wendy's two-for-five. We got you. For a limited time, a la carte only. Price and participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast and best-selling authorship and, I don't know, St. Lawrence High School. Is that right? Like, sure, yeah. <laughs> so all of those things. Jay, how are you doing, buddy? Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you. Uh, you too. And we should make look, you, you said it, let's start it off by, I want to thank our listeners, uh, for sticking with us during the weirdest season that any of us will ever experience where the hockey was going and then it was not going and then it was going and now it's not going again. And we don't know if it's going to be going again anytime soon, but, uh, through all of that, our listeners and our sponsors too have stuck with us. And we greatly appreciate it. So we hope you all have a very happy Thanksgiving. We hope you're staying healthy and staying safe. And uh, you can make this weird Thanksgiving as memorable and as nice as possible. Um, And don't burn down your house by frying a turkey. That's that's my (laughs) advice. Yeah, I... I, I would like to first of all say I will not burn my house down by frying turkey. So, Jay, I'm following your advice very closely. And I would also like to not only thank our listeners and our uh, sponsors for sticking with us throughout this very odd season and this very odd year, but Jay, I got to thank you too, man. You've done a ton of great work on this podcast, both on the air and behind the scenes to make this thing as successful as it has been. And while I definitely feel a lot of pride and a lot of ownership of what we do, I think it's safe to say that you, sir, are a freaking dynamo. And I am deeply, deeply grateful for all of the great work that you do on this show. So thank you, buddy. Well, thanks for saying that. But without you, there is no podcast. So, uh, you know, I thank you as well. All right, let's cut the sappiness and let's get right to it. James mentioned a very special show. Our guest today is new Blackhawks player development coach, Kendall Coyne Schofield, not her first time on the Madhouse podcast, but it is her first time in that role. So we're going to bring that interview to you in moments. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with us. 
Very easy to do. MadhousePod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod, on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod, and we're on Facebook at Madhouse Hockey CHI. We're also on Patreon if you'd like to give a little bit of a monthly donation to the podcast, patreon.com slash Madhouse Pod. My book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks, is available everywhere. The holidays are fast approaching. If you'd like a signed, personalized copy, go to our website, madhousepod.com slash book. Fill out that form, and I will get a book out in the mail to you. You'll have it in plenty of time for Christmas. You can go through that Google form and say exactly what you want me to write in the book. So it's a really great gift for Hawks fans and Madhouse Podcast fans. Or if you want one for yourself, madhousepod.com slash book and one more thing we want to tell you about speaking of being a madhouse podcast fan we have a merchandise shop madhousepodmerch.com powered by our friends at triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it very cool stuff at madhousepodmerch.com without further ado here is our interview with blackhawks player development coach Kendall Coyne Schofield. Kendall, you've been making the rounds the last couple of days. First of all, congratulations on the new job. What's this whirlwind kind of been like for you and kind of seeing the reaction of the hockey world kind of welcoming you into this new, I guess, part of, you know, the group of hockey, as it were. Well, first off, James, Jay, thank you for having me back. I know this isn't been my first time, uh, but uh, it's it's been an extreme couple of days. Uh, you talk about the reaction, the amount of people I've heard from, whether it's now all my new coworkers at the Blackhawks um, to, from, from Danny Wartz to players, to every, everyone that you can think of has reached out. Um, you know, so many people in Rockford, it, it's been an incredible few days. And, and I've heard from so many people around the league, whether it's uh, former players, players I've played with players, I've gone to college with uh, coaches, broadcasters, uh, just everyone in in and around hockey has been so positive and welcoming me and, and reaching out saying, Hey, if there's anything I can do to help, if you ever have any questions. And there's a lot of players that have said that to me, which I really appreciate because it's the players that I'm looking forward to working with in my new role. Um, so just to hear from them has been awesome. But uh, I think the, what's so special to me is this is the team I grew up wanting to be on. Uh, from the time I put on my first pair of hockey skates at the Orland park ice arena, 22 miles Southwest of the United center till now. And I made it. I'm here. I'm on this team. I'm part of this organization and I'm excited to get to work. Well, Kendall, it seems like since the 2019 all-star festivities, things have really skyrocketed for you personally. And I know that was a, a point in a huge journey of hockey in your entire life, but it did seem like from that moment on your, your um, visibility in hockey got so much higher and it, it, I think that was just such an opportunity for, for you and, and for women in hockey in general to show that they belong, that showed that they are competitive. What has it been like for you since that day in January of 2019 till now? So much has happened. Do you point to that day as sort of the beginning of this new era of your career? Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Jay. And I, I have thought about that. And I think it speaks to the power of visibility I've been skating like that my whole life. Brianna Decker has been passing and shooting like she, she, you know, did that day at the premier passer event her whole life. Sarah Nurse, Rebecca Johnston, the, the players that were there alongside me uh, at the All-Star Weekend. They've been doing what they're doing their whole life. But we haven't had the power of the visibility that the NHL All-Star Weekend provided us that weekend to showcase our skills, to showcase our talents. We have it every four years at the Olympic Games, but that's not enough. We need to see, we need to see the women's game on a regular basis for people to truly understand the talent and see the skill that the players have on a, you know, on a daily basis, just like we see our male counterparts, you know, we watch them 82 games plus a year and, and see, you know, the amazing goals, the amazing saves, the, the talent and all the work that they put in all summer long and now into the winter given this year. But, you know, we see that come to fruition on the ice every single night, whether it's we're watching the Blackhawks or another team for us, you see it every four years. And so when you go back to 2019 and people saw me skate the way, I've been skating my whole life and it, it started conversation. It started to open up doors. It started for, it started the conversation that people understood that women do belong in the sport of hockey and that hockey is hockey and she can skate. He can skate. It doesn't matter. They can skate. 
they belong in the sport. And so from that moment, uh, it has opened up a lot of doors and I want to make sure whatever door does open up, I, I run right through it and I'm bringing a whole group of, of the next generation in. Well, that leads me to a question. You, you sort of brought me, I was going to save this for later, but with the growth of women's hockey, the professional leagues forming, what can the NHL do to help with that visibility, to help grow the sport? Because I think, again, when people watch women's hockey, they see it's hockey. There's not, a, there's no difference aside from the gender of the players playing. What can the league do to help with the growth of the women's game? I think the league could subsidize a women's league and make sure it doesn't fail to make sure it's successful, to make sure the infrastructure is set up for the players to be the ultimate professionals that they need to be in order for the product to be professional um, for the players to get paid for the benefits to be there, you know, for, for the, the product, you know, to, to have an infrastructure that allows the best players in the world to compete on under one umbrella. We have not seen that in the women's game yet which is crazy to me because it's, it's 2020. And, you know, the fact that we're so siloed because of the lack of resources in the women's game is, is hard. It, it makes the day-to-day very, very challenging. Um, so I think, you know, that would be a way that I can, I see the NHL step in and, and help make sure that there's a league that, that will not fail um, from, from years and years and years to come. Kendall, you got started in hockey at a really young age. I think I had read you were three years old when you first strapped on a pair of skates. And all I can think of is that you were probably a better skater then than I am now. And I'm kind of jealous about that. But obviously you have a really, you know, you've been really embracing youth hockey in Chicago and your Golden Coins program has been a really good example of that. How important is it for you to still to maintain that part of your responsibility with the Blackhawks to ensure that the game of youth hockey is continuing to grow as well moving forward, because that's obviously critical to get the next generation of players involved in the game. It's equally as important as my role as a player development coach, as, as a player on the women's national team, and as a youth hockey growth specialist, all those roles are, are just as important, but there's nothing that fuels me more than getting the next generation of kids into the game of hockey. The game of hockey has provided me with endless amount of resources, experiences. We just talked about a few, the last two years that when I was three, I didn't, I didn't think would happen. Right. And I, I just put on the pair of skates because my brother had them and I love the game and followed my passion. I followed my love and, and look at all these opportunities that have come about because of the game of hockey. And so that's why it's so important important to me that to see more and more kids get into the game of hockey and then more importantly stay into the game of hockey so we need to continue to build initiatives and resources and programs that are feasible for kids to start hockey and then stay in hockey Um, and so the Blackhawks have been leaders in in this category among the NHL with all of the initiatives and the programs that they've developed and I've been fortunate to be one of the coaches with all of these programs Uh, but yes it's it's extremely important and I think uh, being a role model is is one of the greatest honors of my life if there's a young young kid that looks up to me, whether they're a hockey player or not. And I can provide some sort of inspiration for them to follow their dreams. Just as I did mine. Uh, it truly is an honor. Well, I am the father of a 10 year old girl who is uh, right behind me waiting to say hello to you. when we're done <laughs> interviewing. She's waving in the video right now. <laughs> um, but I want to get to your role with the Blackhawks now, because I think we hear player development coach and it can, it's pretty vague and maybe it's designed to be that way. When you start, in this role, what do you think your day-to-day is going to look like in terms of being a player development coach? Well, before we're able to get on the ice, especially in Rockford, um, you know, when the, when the league starts up and, you know, we're, we're able to go, uh, a lot of the work will be done on the computer. It'll be done watching a lot of film, a lot of games, a lot of clips of our prospects, writing a lot of reports, having conversations uh, with our group about what we see, what we want to see, and then ultimately having those conversations with the players on what they need to work on. And that's what I'm excited about the most is being able to connect with the prospects and develop a relationship there and, and develop their trust. I think that's a process. I've been a player and I think that's the unique aspect 
aspect of my situation right now is I still am a player. Um, and I don't know if they have ever had a player slash coach. I know that's, that exists in slap shop, but, um, in in this situation, um, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to be playing too. So I know there's going to be things that I tell them that I'm going to make the same mistake myself, whether they're watching my game or they're not. And so it's developing that, that trust and in my in my approach to their development and making sure that they're NHL ready when they get the call. Uh, uh, Kendall, we talked to Stan Bowman recently kind of about uh, the situation that the organization is in, in terms of developing young players. And one of the things he said to us was he mentioned that modern players seem to really need precise instruction on how to improve aspects of their game rather than just kind of a general, Hey, you kind of work on this kind of thing. I'm curious to know if you kind of agree with that, just based on your experiences playing and now in the coaching ranks and whether that's the kind of approach that you feel like you're probably going to employ when you do get out on the ice with the ice hogs players later this year or early next year. Yeah, I I do agree with that. And I think the reason I do agree with that is because there's so many resources at these players disposal, whether it's, it's film, it's skills, coaches, strength coaches, you know, the, there's all this modern technology that we have to pick apart, you know, the finer details of the game. And I think in order to be elite in anything, you need to focus on those, those finer details. They're, they're exhausting. They're hard to come by. You know, it's easy to focus on your strengths, but those finer details are what win wins and lose what you, how you win games and how you lose games. Right. So I do think that is really, really important. Um, and I think in terms of when I get on the ice with the players, I need to rely on my experiences, right? I've, I've played at the highest level I can play at uh, in the women's game. And ultimately these players are striving for that same goal. They're trying to play at the highest level within the national hockey league and the Chicago Blackhawks. And I want to help to get them there because I know what it feels like to accomplish your goal. And that's the, all of their goals is to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's our job is to get them there. I probably should have led with this question. It's a mistake on my part, but how did this come about? Who reached out to you? Who was in contact with you? And now that you're hired, who is the person that you report to? Is it Stan Bowman? Is it someone in scout and player development? How does that work? So the two people that I'll be reporting to on a regular basis are Mark Eaton and Annie Caymans. Um, and how this came about, I would say it was a more organic structure of how it came about. Obviously, last year I worked with the San Jose Sharks broadcasting team uh, and they were a phenomenal organization. They treated me so well. And of course, this, the All-Star Weekend, what we already discussed was in San Jose and they've you know, they've accepted me as one of their own since that moment on. And I'll miss all of them dearly. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity I had uh, in San Jose. But given COVID, given, you know, you know, the unknowns of traveling, hotels, restaurants, and and not wanting to put myself in that situation, really making sure that I'm, I'm here at home. I was like, I, I don't know if I can really do that, if that's feasible. I go, however, I know I can be an asset. I know I, I can provide a lot of a lot of hockey knowledge to my hometown team. And so through the conversations of the work that I already did in the community and then trying to, you know, enhance that pro that position into player development, it was an organic conversation that we had collectively. Um, and so it was pretty exciting how it came about and that we're finally here because I think I would like to say it was seven years in the making. <laughs> yeah. Was this Gosh. your ultimate goal? Was it your ultimate goal to be in player development? What If you were to, if you were to have your perfect career outside of the on ice part of the game is this what it be or, or do you have higher aspirations than this i definitely have higher aspirations i don't think you should use the word ultimate and goal in the same sentence because <laughs> you, your goals change your dreams change you, you accomplish one you set another so there's never an ultimatum when it comes to a goal or it comes to a dream i think you know i, I wanted to win a gold medal i did that but now i want to win another one <laughs> you right. know so I, I i think this is an incredible start for me um, in player development to see this side of the game. Like I said, I've seen the media relations side. I've seen the broadcasting side. I've seen the community side. I've really touched so many different aspects of the organization with the Blackhawks. And this is one area that I was drooling to be a part of, to, to be involved with, to learn from, and then to be able to learn from all of the people within the Blackhawks organization in player development uh, is pretty awesome because there's so many phenomenal people that I have the ability to, you know, pick their brains from, pick their brains from and, and learn from, and then also develop with. Um, And that's what I'm most excited about is just being a sponge and and learning a lot along the way. 
Kendall, you've talked a lot, obviously, about the impact that COVID has kind of had on your career and kind of preparations for the upcoming season. I work for NBC as my day job. I'm kind of an Olympics junkie, so I feel compelled to ask you this. Has the pandemic kind of impacted your ability to get ready for those 22 games? And then more importantly, how excited are you to get back out on the ice and to defend that gold medal you guys won in 2018? Yeah, so uh, fortunately... I don't think it's impacted the 2022 games as of, as of right now. I think we're still far enough out where all of us have, have been okay. Um, you know, my hearts go out to the 2021 summer athletes from all over the world. Olympic athletes don't make much money and to be able to sustain and train a whole nother year that you weren't anticipating that you weren't expecting. Uh, it's a def it's definitely a financial burden on a lot of these Olympic athletes and a lot of the hopefuls. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting so hard for them come 2021 and I can't wait for those to go on. And as long as everyone is healthy and safe and doing so. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the women's national team, we were supposed to obviously have the world championships in April in Halifax. Those were canceled. We were supposed to have a training camp in August that was canceled. We did just meet in October, which was awesome. Awesome. We had 53 players, no cases. Everyone came in healthy. Everyone left healthy. And that's the ultimate win. Uh, we were, you know, we were hoping to have a camp in December and it's, it's not looking like we're going to have that. Um, and I think the hope is, you know, if the world championships in 2021 go on, uh, consider it a huge victory. We're, we're unsure if those will go on They're They're scheduled to be played in Halifax again. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. We, we're yeah. supposed to have a rivalry series against Canada in February, but it depends if the border is open and if it's safe to play them. So it could be a whole year until we play a national team game. The last game we've played was February 9th in Anaheim. Well, Kendall, thank you for your time. Before we let you go, if anyone wants information on the Golden Coins program, is there a website? Is there a phone number they should call to get in touch and, and uh, get the wheels moving on that? Yes, it's chicagoblackhawks.com slash girls hockey. Easy enough. Find yeah, find out all the information there. Great. Kendall, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you joining us today on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay, James, thank you for having me. All right. Congratulations again. Thank you. That interview with Kendall Coyne Schofield was brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and frythecoop.com, the best hot chicken on the planet. We've been telling you for months, Prospect Heights, but guess what? Fry the Coop is officially open and Prospect Heights for, for in Prospect Heights for their grand opening. They were giving away free food, James, and the cars were wrapped around the block. Fry the Coop ran out of food. So I know Joe and all the people at Fry the Coop are very thankful for your support. If you went out there and look, if you tried Fry the Coop, you're going to be back again and again and again. And hopefully by the end of the year, the Tinley Park location is going to be open. It will be very, very soon for Tinley Park. What is Fry the Coop? The best hot chicken you'll ever have. They've got tenders. They've got chicken sandwiches. They've got chicken and waffles. If it's chicken and it's fried, they got it. That doesn't sound appetizing. All right, fine. How about we put the whole thing between the donut? Yeah, now I've got your attention. Go to Fry the Coop. Go to frythecoop.com. Place your order online. You can pick up through their pickup windows. It's very easy. It's very safe. Fry the Coop has been kicking ass and thriving despite the pandemic and with good reason. It's quality. It's fresh. It's great. You're going to love it. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. That was really great to talk to Kendall Coyne. You could hear James in her voice how excited she is about this role. And one thing that stood out to me was this is not her final destination in mm -hmm. hockey. And it wouldn't surprise me if sooner than later we see her behind the bench of a, of a, of a, of an NHL team soon. And maybe it's the Blackhawks. Maybe she becomes an assistant coach down the road, but, but this is not the end point for Kendall coin by any means. Yeah. I, I, that was one of the things that really stood out to me. I think just overall was her passion for everything that she's been doing, you know, like her passion for growing youth hockey and women's hockey, right? Like that really shown through a lot during the interview, it, she just attacks everything with tenacity. And it's really awesome to see how she's relishing this new challenge with the Blackhawks. And obviously she's going to be playing a really important role for a team that's going to be doing some rebuilding here in the next couple of years, developing 
young talent is going to be key to this whole thing. And you can tell, like, she's got a really good eye for that kind of thing. She mentioned during the interview that she really is the type of person who's going to help players with specific elements of their game, which I think is really important, which Stan Bowman has said is really important. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, it was just really great to hear her kind of evaluate all of those things. Yeah, she, she is ready. And I, I, I like her confidence and she knows she's going to help people. And I think that, her confidence and her personality is really going to serve her well. She is a great hockey player. And if you're one of the people listening, that's like, well, women's hockey, it's not the same. Okay, fine. Watch Kendall coin play hockey. Watch her in that skills competition where she beat NHL players in their time. Like she is one of the best hockey players in the world. And you don't have to have, you don't have to be six, four two fifteen to be able to teach how to play the game. The strategy remains the same. And she's highly qualified, and I'm really excited for it. And this also, you know, it amplifies her platform, mm-hmm. and that allows her to amplify the Golden Coins pro- program. It amplifies youth hockey in general, and all of that is good for hockey. Even if, you know, maybe girls, more girls playing hockey does not directly affect the NHL's success but it just gets more kids playing hockey, more families playing hockey. Therefore, more people are interested in hockey, and that's going to help grow the sport. So to have an ambassador like Kendall Coyne uh, in an official, not only a coaching role for the Hawks, but a community you know, outreach sort of a role as well, I think it's a perfect hire. I think it makes all the sense in the world, and I'm very, very happy that this hire was made. And I know, you know there have been some people who have said, well, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just another you know, people are making a big deal out of it because she's a woman. No, no, no. Look at her qualifications. Look what she's done. Look what she's accomplished. And uh, it, she's just getting started. And that to me as a Blackhawks fan is really exciting. Yeah. And like you said, it is a great way for her to amplify that platform. And I found it really interesting while we were talking to her that she had mentioned uh, women's hockey specifically. We just heard news today about how the NWHL is going to proceed with an abbreviated season without fans because of the ongoing pandemic. And I did find it very interesting. I know that a lot of people who are close to women's hockey are kind of split on whether or not they think that the NHL should become involved with any professional women's hockey league to kind of grow that brand and to kind of build that game. And Kendall was very adamant that she thinks that the NHL needs to be involved with that. And I found that very interesting since that's been kind of an ongoing debate in the world of women's hockey of whether or not the NHL should be involved. Kendall came out very strongly in favor of NHL involvement in women's hockey. And I did find that just fascinating amid all of the things that we were talking about and all of the important things that Kendall is doing, whether it's for women's hockey or youth hockey, or now as a member of the Blackhawks coaching staff and going to be working with some of these young players. I thought it was really interesting that she was that adamant about bringing the NHL into the fold. And I, you can tell she is a fierce advocate for women's hockey and that would obviously be a, a really good way for that for that league and that sport to kind of expand its reach and i think it could only do like you said jay great things expanding awareness and appreciation of the game at all levels yeah and this is a really great opportunity because i have to say since danny Wirtz has taken over in the interim role i've been really impressed with the way the blackhawks have handled a lot of things, not just their hire, not just a front office restructure, not just the transparency, not just the attention paid to the Native Americans this month. Like they're 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 putting their words into action. And I know that's Danny Wirtz's leadership. And whether or not he becomes the full time president, we don't know. But I like what he's done here. And the Hawks have such power and such influence in the NHL that they could really spearhead this thing and get women's hockey off the ground. Look. The NBA's involvement with the WNBA has given that league legitimacy, has given that league exposure. You turn on NBA 2K, the video game, and there's the WNBA. Every player's in there. Their likeness is in there. All the teams are there. That Those sort of things, while it seems little, to present the league on the same level as the men. Look, we understand to start, the attendance is not going to be the same. The salaries aren't going to be the same. The coverage isn't going to be the same. But what the NBA has done, and you know, women's soccer as well, FIFA's done a pretty good job of this too, is if you present it as a level sport, 
eventually it's going to start to catch up and eventually it's going to start to close that gap because these leagues have the power to influence consumers. And if consumers are being told it's the same game, it's just women, which to me, especially in hockey, the game resembles the men's game a lot. I think it's just a matter of time before the sport becomes popular and all they need is financial backing. And look, if there's the Chicago, whatever you want to say, the, the, the women's Blackhawks or however you want to name the team, you don't even have to change the name. They could be the, the Chicago Blackhawks of the NWHL and they wear the same uniforms, They whatever. They play at the United Center. All these sort of things are options. The sky's the limit if the league wants to jump in and embrace. Now, to be fair, the league does not have the same financial resources that the NBA has. And that would be that would be something that would have to be figured out. But you can't tell me if the original six teams, those teams that do have plenty of money, said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to launch six original six city WNHL teams, and we're going to put our financial backing behind it. You can't tell me that that wouldn't succeed. And obviously, like Jay and I are not women's hockey experts, and I'm sure you and I both know people we could bring onto the show to discuss this further. And I do think that we should, especially in light of uh, Kendall's comments, I think that would be a really great follow up. But I think we both have for quite a while now said that if there was a women's hockey team in Chicago, we would be all on board with it and we would definitely support it, discuss it, do whatever we would need to do with it. I think that growing women's hockey is a really vital thing for the NHL to do, especially because like you said, Jay, they do have kind of a, I guess a somewhat limited reach when compared to something like the NBA that's why you need to make the tent as big as possible to welcome in as many people as possible. And I think that that to me more so than anything else is what's going to stand out just about Kendall's entire approach, not just to this position, but to all of the different things that she's been doing, because it's that kind of passion and energy and forward thinking that is honestly going to keep moving this sport forward. And I think it was a really smart move for the Blackhawks to get her further into the organization and whatever she ends up doing in the future, whether she ends up behind the bench, whether she ends up in the front office, I think the Blackhawks organization will be better off for it. Well, we want to thank the Chicago Blackhawks. We want to thank Kendall Coyne Schofield for joining us and making that interview happen. We're going to take a quick time out. There is a little bit of Hawk stuff to get discuss, So we're going to do that too. I want to tell you about friends at Dr. Squatch natural soap company. Look, most of our listeners are men. We've got a good percentage of women listening, but listen, men are tough to buy for. You ask a guy, you ask your dad, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Dr. Squatch natural soap company. Their soap, their hair care products, their toothpaste, these are great gifts. Every man in my life is getting some Dr. Squatch for Christmas, and they're going to be thrilled. If you're not familiar with Dr. Squatch, I just told you, a natural soap company made in the USA, hand-cut, big, thick bricks of soap. They've got various scents, various textures. Go to DrSquatch.com. At the top right of the page, you're going to see that Squatch quiz Take that quiz and they will help you sort of make the ideal order for yourself or for the person you're buying for. And just launched last week, Dr. Squatch has launched a line of all natural deodorants, the Fresh Fall scent, the Bay Rum scent, and the Alpine Sage. The Alpine Sage is a breezy and warm mix of cypress, patchouli, and sage. The Bay Rum is a delightful cocktail of clove, cinnamon, pine, and citrus. And the Fresh Falls is refreshing and clean with a hint of citrus. Mine is on the way. I cannot wait to try it on. I need deodorant more than anyone in the whole world. So go to DrSquatch.com. Take that Squatch quiz. When you're ready to check out, this is very important. Enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order. And at the same time, you'll be supporting the podcast. So DrSquatch.com at checkout. Enter promo code MADHOUSE20 to save. And to help us, we'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back in, friends, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the first part of our podcast, you know, doing something awesome, interviewing Kendall Coyne Schofield and talking about the future of youth hockey, women's hockey, Blackhawks prospects, all that good stuff. Now I guess it's time to get into, I don't know, Jay, would you call this a potentially controversial issue 
which is the NHL's proposed potential alignment for the 2020-21 season, if and when they get going. Stupid pandemic. Uh, Greg Wachinski of ESPN laid out four different divisions for the NHL to potentially use in the coming year. And I got to say, Jay, this Blackhawks division is uh, it's something. It's something. It's weird. Um, I'm going to qualify this, that yes, this will be controversial to a lot of people. As long as they're playing hockey, I couldn't care less. I just want hockey. That's all I care about. As long as it's being done safely, whatever division you want to make for the Blackhawks, it's fine. Let's go through the divisions here. We'll save the Blackhawks for last. That's called a tease, mister. (laughs) Canada division, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. That's fairly obvious, I think you would say. The East Division would be made up of Boston, Buffalo, Carolina, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Flyers, and the Caps. Well, I've already got one issue potentially flagged. Yes. The West would be the Ducks, Coyotes, Avalanche, Stars, Kings, Wild, Sharks, and Knights. And then the Central Division, which... If you've ever looked at a map, I'm not sure how this is central, but here we go. The Blackhawks, the Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, the Panthers, the Predators, the Penguins, the Blues, and the Lightning. Okay, I guess so. I I understand this is a challenge. I understand this is difficult. I know the point of this is to limit travel, so you have to have... Minnesota and Colorado and Dallas play West, right? But the yeah. central being Florida, Tampa, <laughs> that just cracks me up. Central what? <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know how that's central, but fine. I guess I'll suspend disbelief long enough to say, cool. Uh, welcome to the central division, Florida and Tampa Bay. <laughs> hey, they just wanted to get Joel Quenville back into the same division as the Blackhawks. That's yeah. clearly what that is. Well, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans miss being in the NFC Central, too. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, that, oh my God, you remember those days when it was the five teams, it was the four teams that are in the NFC North now, and then Tampa Bay. <laughs> and they would have to come up to like freaking Green Bay to play games, and it was always hilarious watching the players freeze to death on the sidelines. And yeah, those were the days. Well, guess what fans we're going to have that coming back at you. Cause the lightning, they're going to have to travel all the way up to freaking Chicago. Yeah. Oh man. Um, you know, I'm excited to have Detroit back in the central though. That's what everybody's going to focus on. And rightfully so. I mean, you have been clamoring for a while about this and a lot of Blackhawks fans have definitely noticed of course the Blackhawks Red Wings rivalry has kind of lost some of its luster over the years let me hate you again realignment yeah bring them back in let them get hated the one the first thing I noticed about this was that the Flyers and the Penguins are in different divisions yeah that seems wild to me I know they tried to keep a lot of geographic rivalries in place which I respect they made sure that the Blackhawks and the Blues were in the same division. They made sure that obviously the Capitals are there to beat up the rest of the Eastern division if they need to, whatnot. There, there is no perfect way to break all of this up if you cannot get Canadian teams into the United States during the NHL season. This is probably about as close to perfection as you're going to get. I Look, you know I'm here for chaos. I love chaos. This sounds really fun to me. It's one season. We've got to make the best out of what out of the cards were dealt here. And this wild ass division and if especially if the plan is to only play your divisional the divisional teams, that's going to be a lot of fun, man. You're going to you're going to grow some rivalries there. And uh any if you want to reignite the Hawks and Red Wings, having them play a bunch of times in a season when they're both maybe battling for the top overall pick, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting. Like I said, man, I, I couldn't care less. I just want it to happen. I just want hockey. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if they play in, in, you know, uh, shirts for skins, <laughs> whatever it is, as long as it's NHL hockey and it's on my television, I'm down. It does seem as though the league is kind of moving further and further away from doing a uh, geographic hub 
kind of arrangement. It does sound like they want to have the teams travel to the different cities, which I do think is important, especially if we do start getting mass kind of use of a coronavirus vaccine and we're able to actually get fans into arenas. I know the league is very interested in potentially having excuse me, very interested in potentially having fans in the arenas for the playoffs. And I know they want to get the Stanley cup playoffs done by the time the Olympics start in July. So I I think that this arrangement is definitely your aside from a bubble, which we've obviously seen worked aside from that. I think this arrangement is probably going to be best in terms of minimizing travel maximizing the amount of time that each team spends in each city. I think that this is probably the best way to go forward. The big key of course is whether or not it's actually going to happen because I have another update for you, Jay, and this one's not quite as fun and chaotic. All right. According to the athletics, Pierre Lebrun, NHLPA president, Donald fear and NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman have not spoken in nearly a week. This comes after news broke that the NHL is asking players to defer more of their salaries for the coming season and also to make some tweaks to the escrow system that was agreed upon when the league and the Players Association extended the collective bargaining agreement prior to the resumption of play earlier this year. So I don't know, man, that January 1 restart date potentially with like with the current state of negotiations between the two sides and with the current state of the coronavirus in the United States, January one just is seeming less and less realistic. The more that I think about it, it really does. You're right about that. It's kind of hard to see that happening. Um, Especially like you mentioned, it's not going to be in hub cities. I don't think the hub city thing is a sustainable model for success. Uh, we heard players talk at the, uh, even while the bubble was still going on, players that had left were speaking anonymous, anonymously about how, look, we were promised a lot of things that we didn't get, and it was tough. And I know people are going to roll their eyes when they hear NHL players complaining about their accommodations in the bubble. But when you go on vacation, no matter how nice your hotel is, you still spend most of your time out of the hotel room sitting in a room all day long, except to play games and except to go to morning skates. That's tough. And the longer that goes on, the more difficult it becomes. That's why I don't think it's a, it's a tangible option to do that. So if we're talking about traveling, even if it is just within your division, even if it is for a two or three game series at a time to minimize those trips, January 1st seems really, really optimistic to me. And look, maybe vaccines come out and they're readily available. And we know that sports leagues are going to get dibs on vaccines like it or not. It's going to happen. Uh, For me, I get past the moral dilemma of that by saying sports are good for people's mental health and people need that sort of relief and distraction during something like this. So that's sort of how I get myself to that okay, I guess this is acceptable sort of kind of a place. But um, I don't think they're going to be available even for sports leagues by Jan 1. That's a month from now. I mean, more or less, it's a month from now. Yeah, I I think that the way more likely scenario is that they're just going to continue to minimize traveling parties and they're going to minimize the amount of time guys can spend out of the hotels and they're going to hope that getting players home every couple of days, instead of having them stay in a bubble for a month or two, they're, they're going to hope that that's enough incentive, kind of the way it ended up being with major league baseball, where after you kind of had your initial outbreaks with the Marlins and the Cardinals, everything kind of settled down and players kind of got into a routine. I think that's probably the NHL's hope here. The, the other issue that the NHL is kind of dealing with right now is you have multiple teams reporting a good number of cases right now. And they're not even really like ramping up for training camp yet. Like if you're already having these kind of issues with players contracting the virus, I mean, obviously their numbers nationally are crazy in terms of the number of people that are contracting the virus and are being hospitalized and dying because of it right now. There's still so much going on aside from just the negotiation perspective 
you've got to really make sure you have everything buttoned up if you're going to launch this thing January 1. I think the league might be better off waiting at least a couple of weeks. And yeah, you're going to have to kind of push some things back. But if you get rid of the expanded playoffs and you get a condensed season in there with with limited travel, I think that the NHL would be a lot better off if they did this right instead of doing this quickly. So I think that the idea of them ramping up the three weeks of training camp that they're going to need and getting started by January one, I think they would be better off just kind of taking their time a little bit and just making sure they get it done right. Instead of getting it done immediately. Yeah. And the limited travel thing also gives you the opportunity to have back-to-back games on back-to-back days more Mm -hmm. often. Right. And I know that's not ideal, but to make the season happen, there's going to have to be some less than ideal um, concessions made by the teams. And I know they're talking about that with the players, uh, which is not going to go over well, but we'll see, man. I, I have to say, and I've said this a lot. I was very impressed with how they were able to execute the return to play. They did a really, really good job. I'm sure they've got plan a plan B plan C with all different scenarios, sort of, if not totally outlined, at least blueprinted. Um, so when it's safe, Hopefully they can return. Hopefully they can work out all the labor things as well. And everybody's happy and, and hockey returns. But to the, I think January 1st is a long way away. However, what's not a long way away is the world junior championships. Oh yeah. Team it's at the end of December. If you've got NHL network, you're in luck. I do not. So I'm gonna have to have a trial of, I think Fubo TV is the only place that streams NHL network because that's smart. Um, if you're the NHL, So I'll be watching that, but I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. But some of the videos of Kirby Doc coming out of Team Canada's training camp, oh, my sweet Lord, he made a pass. And granted, it's practice, okay? I get it. It's practice, whatever. It was a two-on-one. Doc kicks the puck behind him and then with his heel kicks the puck to his teammate on the money, on the tape, all the all the teammate had to do was put the puck in the back of the net. If you've not seen this, find it. It is an absolutely drool-inducing play by Kirby Dodd. It's making around media, and it just, you know, we've been talking a lot about is Kirby Dock the next franchise player for the Blackhawks, and it's probably too early to say that, but when you have these videos on the heels of the way he played in the playoffs. Oh my God. I cannot wait to see more Kirby doc. I just can't wait. You know what the other headline was that kind of uh, really impressed me about Kirby doc, aside from obviously the absolutely arousing past that you were discussing. <laughs> arousing um, I don't know if you saw this headline from last week, but the world junior teams are practicing right now. Dylan cousins and Kirby doc showed up late to Canada's practice on Thursday and their coach gave them the option of either joining the practice late or setting an example by sitting out. And they decided to sit out. Like I thought that obviously it's not great. You're showing up late to practice. Like that's not something you should aspire to do or anything like that. But I did think that it showed a lot of maturity on their part to recognize that they needed to be held accountable to their teammates. And I thought that that was a really interesting story that they decided to kind of sit out practice and kind of take that hit for showing up late to that practice. Yeah. When you hear Stan Bowman and everyone with the Blackhawks talk about Kirby doc, uh, as much as they discuss his talent, they discuss his character. And I had the opportunity to meet Kirby the day after the draft, he came into the score to do an interview and I was blown away by how mature he came off and a lot like Taves at that age where he Mm -hmm. had sort of a wisdom and a presence about him beyond his years. And uh, to me, that's look, it's not great that he was late for practice, but there's all sort of crap going on in the world right now that you can sort of excuse it more than usual. And also for the record, he showed up at 1130 for an 1130 practice. It's not like he showed up at like noon, like they were still warming up, but as everybody in hockey knows, Practice, if it starts at 1130, you should be on the ice by like 1115. Right, exactly. So it's just good to see him, uh, you know, take the L, take the loss for what he did. And, and I think that shows character. I think that goes a long way with his teammates. Um, all right, before we wrap up, I want to tell you about our friends out there in Crest Hill at Marishka's. 
604 Theater Street. They're family owned and operated since 1933. We've been telling you about Marishka since day one of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast in business since 1933. But guess what? The pandemic is hurting all small businesses, even established ones like Marishka's. So if you're out there, if you're in the area, you're out in the uh, Joliet Crest Hill area, stop by Marishka's. Get yourself a poor boy. Get yourself the Yodel Burger. Get yourself a double baked potato. You will be thrilled with your decision. Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So they're closed on Thursday. No, but just camp overnight after you have your turkey to set up a tent. You know, like when the new video game systems come out or when Rick Camp is looking for a year of free barbecue, just sit outside the place and wait for him to open up the next day. Go visit our friends, the Zdralovich family out there in Crest Hill at Marish because you will be thrilled that you did. The poor boy. Oh, my God. I am dreaming about the poor boy. I got a four-day weekend, James. I'm, it might finally be time for me to make the trek to Crest Hill and try and get more Marishkas because it's been too long, even though it's only been a month or two. <laughs> grumble, grumble. I have to work Thanksgiving. Grumble. Oh, man. I'll send you a picture of my poor boy. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. It's not a poor boy. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Want to remind everybody to check out our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, Marishka's, and Dr. Squatch. Remember that promo code MADHOUSE20 at drsquatch.com, madhousepodmerch.com. And if you'd like a signed autographed copy of my book, personalized, go to madhousepod.com slash book. James and I will be back with you for a brand new episode next week. We want to thank the Chicago Blackhawks, John Steinmiller, Mike Horan, Adam Rago, and everyone over there for accommodating the Kendall Coyne Schofield interview. It was great. Hopefully we can do more things like this as the Blackhawks era of transparency is underway. Again, before Thanksgiving, really want to thank everybody for listening, for being, uh, you know, loyal and committed to the podcast. We will, we're not going anywhere. We're sticking around and uh, we appreciate that you've done the same for us. So for my partner, James Neveau, I'm Jay Zawoski. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team, we'll talk about your least favorite team, and everybody in between, and we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.